This is the Pool Together Community Podcast. Pool Together is the world's number one no-loss prize savings account. You can visit pooltogether.com to deposit. Thanks for listening to the Pool Together Community Podcast. I'm your host, Tim, and we are here today with Brendan, co-founder of Pool Together. Brendan, how are you doing? Good to be here. You, uh, you, I, I, let's be, let's be real. We got to admit it's the podcast is a little delayed right now. I mean, it's, it's on time for everybody listening asynchronously, but for the discord, you had to go make some coffee. So tell me about your coffee, Brendan. <laughs> yeah, fair. I'll, I'll dive right in. So, um, yeah, this, this is actually a coffee made with uh, a very fancy coffee maker. I, I will post a photo, but it's, uh, it's called a rock R O K. And this coffee maker is kind of like, um, kind of like a wine bottle opener in that you, um, squeeze this thing and it compresses a cylinder and, um, it fires the hot water that's in the cylinder through to, um, you know, the, uh, actual traditional espresso handle thing. <laughs> I don't know the names of any of these things, but if you guys know the, uh, if you've ever worked at a coffee shop, you've got the things that you actually load the coffee into, then you tamp it out on a, you know, a knock box or all that stuff. Anyway, it's, it's a little bit artisanal, I guess. Um, but, uh, what I like about it is that it's just like a beautiful unit that is just handmade or, uh, hand, hand compressed and is easy to wash. So I'm all about simplicity in this kind of minimalism. And, um, this is a, a good example of that. So that's what I, I used to make the coffee and then the coffee itself was just from a local roaster. Um, and, uh, yeah, I like to, uh, favor the local fancy coffee shops. So that's my coffee. That's the coffee story. And so, yeah, we were delayed a few minutes because I had to go do it. This is my time for my second cup of coffee. And so I've got to, uh, get that shot of caffeine or it won't be normal. So I've got to, uh. Yeah, I want to be. I want to be on point for this podcast for you guys. Listener, listener, Brendan has has posted a picture of what looks like a corkscrew that you would put on top of a wine bottle, uh, but there is no corkscrew. It's just like a. <clears throat> yeah, I, I I don't even know how this works. Uh, but where does the water go, Brendan? So you'd see. So it's imagine a syringe, except instead of just kind of pushing this thing. It's cranked through with arms that are kind of like a, a wine yeah. bottle cork opener. So it's sort yeah. of like a mix of a syringe and a wine bottle cork opener and that it's compressing yeah. hot water, squeezing it through. Because apparently for the best flavor, it's all about pressure. You want to get that water pressure up on the coffee beans and that'll extract all the, all the goodness that you want. So Brendan, I hate to break it to you, but I think someone sold you a Keurig machine, but just an artisanal Keurig. I think that's what this is. Oh man, no way. You know, the original engineer on the Keurig, uh, feels bad about it because it produces so much garbage and yeah. they say it's recyclable, but who's actually going to clean out all the coffee grains? I, it's just silly. Just silly. You're so right. You're so right. Yeah. This, I mean, I'm a, I'm a coffee connoisseur myself and, uh, I, I'm a big fan of the AeroPress. And it seems yeah. like a similar, a similar vibe to the AeroPress. It is. And that's the, I use an AeroPress for camping. That's the best camping coffee maker. And if you there don't you have a metal filter, get yourself a metal filter for 10 bucks worth, just totally worth it. You won't be the, producing paper all the time. 
That's right. But the thing about the the metal filter, however, is that you need to get your grind right because if it's too fine, you're going to get sediment. You'll get like a sludge at the bottom. But if you mm-hmm. can do like a, if you can do, especially with those hand grinders on your campsite, right? If you can do a French, a French press, like a little bit coarser than sand, if you can get that, then you, then you reduce your sludge. I think sometimes I've got an espresso metal filter, but that impresses me that you are grinding at the campsite. That is, that is nice. Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. If, if you're, if my beans need to be beans up until I'm pouring hot water on them. So that's like, yeah, I got to have the manual grinder. Uh, My wife wants to punch me in the face, but yeah, it's, you know, you got to have the coffee, right? It's got to be, it's all about the process. It's all about the art. And Brandon, That's I'm right. so glad that you are um, you are caffeinated with me today. I've switched uh, recently to cold brew uh, because I get more bang for my buck. And cold brew is an eight-hour process. All right. Are you part of the uh, first mint community? Do you know what that is? No, please tell me. So they're all about the cold brew. Um, it kind of became a meme for them because they had a cold brew anytime the top shot drop happened. And... Uh, yeah, it just became, became kind of a meme in the community. And so it's funny to hear you say that as well, because, uh, yeah, they're all about that. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, I need, so first mint. Okay. This is going to be a, a really, uh, in-depth and weird podcast description that we're going to create for this episode. Uh, what's all the coffee? Yeah. Cool. Well, Brennan, uh, I, I would love to hear how you got into pool together, how you got into crypto. Uh, how how you came to be in this world? Just just your whole story. If you could start from the top and give us all the exciting details. Yeah, for sure. Well, my father's from Ontario, and <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, you guys want to hear about the actual crypto stuff? So let's let's dive into that. So you know, like we were saying before, how you are getting started just by kind of doing things. I did the same thing back in uh, 2018, I think it was. I started, uh, I was on a quote unquote sabbatical. Um, I, I was working for the startup and it kind of went sour. And, um, and so I decided to just do my own thing for a while. And part of that, a big part of that was doing research in two different areas that I was really interested in. One was machine learning. I went and did the Coursera course and it was, it was great. It was really interesting. It turned out to be more academic than, uh, my taste desired. And so, uh, I did the next thing, which was blockchain and, um, being a programmer, uh, I wanted to build stuff and obviously you can't build anything with Bitcoin. Um, and so I got immediately into Ethereum and those were the dark ages of Ethereum too. No one remembers how there used to not be any error messages. It would just, the transaction would fail. And there's, it was such uh, rough tooling back in the day, but it was also fascinating. It was like, you know, because blockchain introduces these, the property of scarcity into the digital world. And so what can you do with that? It's such a unique design space that, um, what, and what I loved about it was that granted blockchain itself is complex. The actual creation of, of, uh, dApps like smart contracts, they're quite simple and they're, they're pretty similar to, it's like writing like a simplified version of C it's, um, it's, it's not, there's very little complexity there. It's all just mostly, you know, mathematics and, and, you know, with regard to financial uh, software anyway. Um, 
and um, and kind of just assets. And what do those ass assets represent? That's just what is so interesting. And so, needless to say, I got really interested in and started writing about it. And um, I wrote a few pieces that dove deep into the internals of several projects. Projects like like Augur, which was a big one back in the day. And, um, and Colony as well, which I think is still around. I think both of those are still around, but perhaps they just uh, never quite made it. But, um, and then I basically got a consulting gig because of that, because they saw, oh, hey, this guy knows how to actually use this tech. Let's reach out to him. And at that point, um, so I, start, I started working for them and um, I actually roped in an old colleague of mine, uh, a fellow you've spoken with named Chuck, and he and I formed a dev shop, an Ethereum exclusive dev shop called Delta Camp. And we ran that for, I think it was about a year and a half before we met Layton. And in that time, I had been going to different conferences and really more than ever, more than any time in my life, had really tried to get into this industry uh, and meet the people behind it because I just found it so fascinating. And you have to keep in mind, back in 2019, there were it was, it was, you know, the bear market, um, the, it was still a very young industry. It was still full of ideologues. It was still full of people who were there, uh, due to passion, due to this sort of, um, their, their desire to make the internet free again. And those people are still present, but there are a lot of people just looking to make a quick buck, looking to speculate. There's people looking to just make a bunch of money. And while there's, there's really nothing wrong with that, um, it kind of uh, begins to lose its, um, its edge, sort of the, the reason to be, which was to become this decentralized tech that was censorship resistant, that was permissionless and open to everyone in the world. And so, you know, projects adhere to that to different degrees. Um, it's difficult to make things totally decentralized, but I think it's something that we should aspire to. And it's one of those things where it's all well and good until the shit hits the fan. And that's when you're like, oh crap, I wish this was more decentralized or censorship resistant or robust or what have you. Um, anyway, so I was doing a lot of networking and getting into the space and um, ended up hustling enough to get us enough work to basically build Ethereum dApps full time. And so we, we did that for about a year and a half and then... Uh, at ETH Denver in 2019, I met uh, met Layton. Actually, I didn't meet him. Um, so how how it was structured back then, and I, it might still be the case. I haven't been to the the most recent one though, 2021 um, or 2022. Basically, the one that just happened. I guess that's 2022. Um, is on the Thursday night, so it's a hackathon. So people build, get into groups and build a project between Friday and Saturday night. Sunday morning is the submission time or the judge, they get judged and whatnot. On the Thursday night prior, there's a, a pitch night where the different people can come, uh, different participants can come and pitch their idea to an audience of the, you know, the mix of developers, designers, business people, blah, 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 all the, all the participants of the hackathon. They can pitch this idea in the hopes to gather together like-minded people who want to build this thing together. And so, um, this was all happening around the time Compound started to blow up. And Compound was uh, a decentralized lending protocol, is a decentralized lending protocol. It hasn't vanished by any means, but it's the OG one. Um, and they were just getting big around the time that uh, um, ETH Denver happened. 
And so they were top of mind for a lot of people. And so Layton's pitch was to build on top of compound, this idea of a no loss lottery of uh, a prize linked savings account. And it sounded like a very simple idea. And I mean, ostensibly it still is, even though it's actually quite complex under the hood, but, um, it, I thought it was such a brilliant idea because it's so simple and it's, it exposes finance to people that, um, in a way that's understandable, you know, it's not like we created a new, you know, liquid futures options protocol or whatever. Like no one knows regular human beings don't know what that is. You know, um, you need to come at them with something a bit simpler than that, that, that still, uh, is, uh, is, is fun to play and still has rewards that they can, you know, take advantage of. And so the idea really attracted me. And so after he pitched, I walked up to him and said, hi, and that was really our first meeting. Um, but, um, but I really just wanted to say hi because, uh, Chuck and I went in with a pretense of building, uh, a sort of, if this, then that for Ethereum, because we saw a need for it, <laughs> and, you know, and you know, there's still a need for it. Um, you know, people really haven't nailed that yet, but I'm sure, I'm sure it's come. It'll come eventually. Um, we got close with one, but anyway, that's another story. And, um, and so Chuck and I went and, you know, we worked, we paired on this project and we built it. We did quite well. We got top 20 out of 120 we went on stage and did all that stuff and um you know i was happy with our performance but at the very end of the weekend it was a sunday night and it was the beers it was the the, the final beers you know kind of after the presentations and i saw Leighton walking around and i pulled him in and um i was like hey how'd it go and you know he said like they got a bounty, they they did okay in terms of getting some cash, but the the product didn't work in the end. They could they couldn't quite get it together, and um and so basically I was like, hey, you know what? We run a dev shop. Let's uh we can build this for you. And uh, you know we got along well with Layden. He's he's a really nice guy, and so he ended up uh, contracting us to build the first version of this, and it did well enough that Maker then funded the second round, and then after that, uh, VCs came knocking. And that's when we decided to band together, the three of us, and form pool together officially as a startup. And so it was an exciting time. And that was back in, I mean, really, we started working on it in basically April of 2019. And I think uh, the company was just formalized in August, uh, the following August. So in April, it will have been three years, which is um, decades in crypto time, decades. And so... Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really awesome to be here. It's really awesome to have brought pool together, to, pool together to this point. I mean, the first version was built in like, you know, five days. It was built in a week and it was very, very simple and was of course riddled with problems, but also enjoyed the low gas of Ethereum in 2019. And so but it's just, a, it's a very different landscape now. And it's been interesting to be a part of that uh, evolution. Uh, there's been a lot of challenges, but it's also, um, it's, there's also been a, a heck of a lot of learning. So, um, yeah, it's very, it's amazing tech and I'm still totally committed and, uh, still totally believe in it too. After all these years, I'm not jaded. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I still love this. I still love all this stuff. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's the Did story of my, uh, you know, my, my intro to crypto and kind of where pool together came from and was born out of. J -j jaded. Yeah. Uh, so what's your, what's your, how has pool together surprised you? And I want a, a, a positive and a negative surprise. Hmm. How does it surprise me? Um, 
I think one thing that has surprised me, which is something that as, cause so, so prior, prior to the dev shop, prior to the contracting, I, I really, I was just a software developer, you know, I was, um, you know, working, you know, just regular jobs and, uh, contracts here and there. And so I wasn't really exposed necessarily to the, um, I guess the, perhaps I guess marketing side, I would even say Tim, um, in that it's the, the, the side of the product where you're really facing the customers, you're really, um, sort of, sort of discussing the merits and value of the brand. And, um, what's been interesting is when we, one of the things that attracted me about pull together was that it really resonated with me in terms of values, in terms of, um, you know, being a safe product, being something that, um, empowers regular people to save money. Um, and I think that that has really just been infused in everything we've done. And what I think is so cool is that the community sees this and people have leaned into this and they really get it. They really, you know, the community's risen up and embraced these values that we haven't even explicitly articulated. You know, I think, um, MK, there's, there's a governance post that was posted. I mean, this is months ago at this point and it's rejuvenated from time to time, but it talked about forming, um, for like not a constitution, but like a, a set of values that the, uh, that the community embraces. And I think what is so amazing is that, um, that the community there's, it's, it's kind of tacit anyway, we, we all are sort of behaving within these certain boundaries that we haven't actually explicitly talked about, at least in, in repetition, but, um, it's sort of been born out of just this feeling, this, this, this sort of the values in this core product. And I, and I love that. I think, and I, and I've said this up before. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and Chark is actually going to pursue that as well. I think he's putting the, uh, the list of values together just to add to that, uh, more concretely. Um, but that is something that has really blown me away and being, I mean, outside of all of this, I'm, I'm basically cynical in every other facet of my life. And so to, to see that kind of that wonderful, uh, organic kind of system of values emerge from this, this kind of, um, this core of, of just safety and, and social finance, I, I think is really amazing. I've really loved that about this. And I, and I've said this before, and I maintain this, that I, I love our community. It's, it's a bunch of like really good people and, um, everyone's super positive. It's not some kind of pump and dump and, you know, let's make it, you know, let's risk a ton of money to make it mad. Like it's, it's, there's nothing toxic about this community. Um, and I've, and I've really, really liked that. So I think that's been something, um, something I really enjoyed. I think, um, I mean, in terms of the negatives, I think for me, it's, it's not only really negatives, it's more observations, things like people don't read. Um, this is something that I've, I, there is a theme that's been pretty consistent through the product is that we've needed to write less and less text because, um, people don't actually read anything. And we've had users who have deposit, like, for example, this one fellow that, or, or, or woman that deposited, I think must've been like $70,000 or something, but had no idea how the system worked. Didn't know that, you know, when you, uh, if you try to kind of exit prematurely that, you know, you would be, you know, have potentially occur an exit fee. And, um, it blew me away that people aren't actually paying that close of attention. Um, that, uh, cause of course what I'm, if I'm moving around any amount of money, I'm going to read the fine for it and make sure that, you know, I know what's going on, but it's like, um, it's really caused me to th think, 
even more so that we are like shepherds and really we do need to actually take care of these people, these users, um, because I didn't realize how vulnerable they were to any kind of sharp edges and that no one's paying, paying, <laughs> no one's paying attention. So I'd say that's more of an observation, less of a negative. It's more of been a, an, a point of learning for me in that, um, this thing has to have nothing but rounded corners. It's like, we need to treat, you know, so, some people, some people you need to treat as if they're just going to push all the buttons and, um, be like the classic monkeys that are writing Shakespeare, you know? So, um, of course there are plenty of brilliant users as well who actually, you know, come at us being like, Hey, I think you can optimize your algorithm this way. Um, but, um, but it's interesting to see the, the broad spectrum. That ties in nicely with our episode from the previous week. We interviewed Ivy who does UX for Coordinate and for Sushi. And, uh, she's just, it was really a treasure trove of information on her findings in the space. So that ties right into what you're talking about. And as a marketer, yeah, I feel bad for copywriters because they put so much effort into all this stuff, but really it's like, what's the big, bold two words that really stand out? That's all that yeah. matters really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Brendan, well, if you had a, if you had your own like baseball card or superhero card, Marvel card, and you had like your stats on the back, what would be like your, your top? attributes i should i should use crypto speak if you, were an, if you were if you were an nft what would your like what would your rare attributes be oh man uh what would my rare attributes be that's an interesting question i would say well first off full disclosure um i only have a couple of the um oh thanks andy well I voted by the crowd ability to speak coherently and eloquently. Thank you. I, I hope so. You know, if, if people aren't reading it, let's hope that they're listening at least, you know? Um, so I only have a few NFTs and one of them is the, um, I'm very proud of this one is like the, uh, was it super, uh, elusive, uh, hacker? Ah, shit. I can't even remember what it was, but it's this, it was released a little while ago and it's for developers that have, you know, deployed more than. I don't know, three or 400 contracts to, to mainnet, something like that. And I was eligible for that. So I, I did enjoy that, but that's, that's pretty much, um, you know, the strange little exclusive, um, I guess I would, I'd pride myself on being able to listen and see patterns. Um, this is, it's kind of subtle, but you know, with our community being able to see the patterns of behavior and then try to develop structure around that. I actually, there's more things I want to do, um, but I, I, I see that as being really important. It applies to both code in terms of seeing commonalities and logic that you can abstract into, um, say a shared library or some kind of abstraction, but it applies to people as well as these behaviors and recognizing these behaviors and being able to form people into teams or structures. There's more of that I'd like to do with the DAO because I really want to empower more people. Um, and so I, okay. So just to come back to the list, so I'd say, you know, recognizing those patterns is, I think, um, I think it's something I'm good at. Um, and, um, yeah, as well as articulating that as well as, um, um, teaching, you know, I think a lot of the days, a lot of days that I'm working, I'm trying to distill concepts down to their essence so that, you know, our team understands it or community understands it really trying to, um, make sure that I. I understand it well enough that I can explain it as well. And I think that's really important is we need to be able to, um, have a shared understanding 
of whatever whatever it is it's we're working on. So I think um, I think that's another really important skill. So yeah, but beyond that, I don't know. Uh, expert coffee drinker. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Guy who sits in front of his computer all day. I'm really good at that. Um, <laughs> you have to have like a uh, a weird one, like upside down smoking pipe, or you know, or like uh, you know these NFTs with like a unique trait. It could arrow through the head or something. Yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Goofiness, cool. silliness, for sure. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, definitely coffee mug. So, what do you think that pool together needs? And what are you excited about for Pool Together in the near future? Well, there's so much. There is just so much. So, um, short term or shorter term, I believe that we need to do more with the Pool Token. Um, we need to make sure that our Pool, there's, there's so much more we can do with tokenomics to basically grow Pool Together. Um, and then I think a lot of good things will percolate out of growth in terms of uh, traction with users, in terms of the um, uh, you know community involvement, in terms of people wanting to contribute. And um, it's uh, there's there's you know we have this pool token that's sitting there that people are quote unquote governing with, but there's so much friction between coming in and be like, okay, how do I affect change? And then actually doing it. It's incredibly opaque. And, um, that is, that, that that's a huge problem to me. I, I want to create better channels, better, better, better funnels through people. I mean, Chark has done a good job starting uh, an onboarding call. Um, we need to go beyond that and actually have like more public roles. Um, I know I see a lot of things in the community, little, basically different bounties that need to get done. Um, but what we need is we need more uh, executors. We need more people to actually go do the preparation, go do the creation of a list. Um, I think we need to empower more people in the DAO to uh, not have to ask permission to just go do it. It's, there's, there's still a lot of permission being asked by people and you don't have to. I mean, it's really just, I think this is a real meritocracy. I do think that we need structure though as well. This is not a flat organization that doesn't work. We need teams, we need team leads, we need people to be able to make decisions and feel empowered to do so. So there's a ton of, I think, friction there. And actually there's, there's a really great, I, I don't know how many of you are following, uh, I don't know, following Twitter and whatnot, but there's a great article that was written by a feminist, I believe, back in the seventies that talks about the, um, the, how flat organizations don't work. And it was, it was a really interesting for her, it was an observation of the uh, feminist groups that she was a part of. And that just happens to be the, the theme because she was involved in these groups. But the, the point being, there were these flat, organi flat organizations and um, nothing is ever flat. It's, there will inevitably be some kind of social structure of uh, what she called elites that are the ones that actually, you know, hold some degree of power. And that makes the actual hierarchy hidden. And so it becomes impenetrable for people to actually become part of that hierarchy. And so by making hierarchy explicit, you actually provide a path for people to get involved. And I thought this was a really interesting observation is that it actually 
makes it more transparent and makes the structure more transparent so you can get involved. And so that is, I think, um, yeah, I, let's see, I, I could probably dig up a link, maybe, maybe in a minute, Andy, I'll dig up a link to that. Um, if you look up like feminist flat organization, or if you Google that, I'm sure, I'm sure you can find it. Um, but, uh, anyway, that, so that to me underpins this idea that we do need hierarchy and we do need structure. We do need to be able to onboard people and give them some direction immediately so they can get engaged. And so I think that's another thing we can do. Um, and I think we'll see more engagement if the TVL goes up, if the pool token's doing well. So anyway, just to bring it back, um, short term, I see the pool token as, uh, being able to help us grow the protocol. Uh, other things that I think are really exciting are um, collaborations with other protocols, such as like this one I just thought of the other day was Alchemix. You know, people have been asking for a prize boost. Now imagine if, because um, what, what Alchemix does is you can basically borrow your interest ahead of time. And so imagine that we created a pool where it uses Alchemix. And so you can be like, okay, well, I'm going to commit, you know, two years to this, but you immediately get a prize boost. You instantly have a higher chance of winning but you do have to commit over a certain amount of time. So I think there's these kind of ideas are, are really cool. And I think there could be some great synergy there. Um, NFTs, I am really excited about as well. This one has grown a little bit more, um, organically and that we're starting to do these different NFT campaigns. But if you combine that with the, um, the ability to kind of imbue chance in these NFTs as well, I think that's really cool. I think we can, add a whole other value layer to NFTs in general. And so that's something else I'm really excited about. Um, I mean, this is kind of nerdy as well, but I am excited about governance and bringing governance style too. This is again, coming back to the fact that most people don't really care about decentralization. They're just sort of, it's only when things go bad is that that's when it's really concerning. Um, it's still very much top of mind for me. We need to, um, <laughs> we need to get this, uh, governance across all these L2s that we're going to be on, you know, that's, that's essential. Uh, we need, we need governance to be able to provide a ton of pool liquidity across these different, uh, L2s like uni V3 on Polygon, uni V3 on optimism. We just need the pool token all over these places. And, um, so, and we also need, we still have certain parameters that need to be controlled by governance. So not everything can be managed by the exec team, the exec team. I honestly visualize them as kind of like bank tellers. Bank tellers only control a limited amount of money for some certain amount of time. They're kind of ferrying money between customers and the bank. And the bank is what really holds the bulk of funds. And so ideally we can structure it the same way and that the exec team is simply, um, has a limited scope and is kind of ferrying funds on the fly. Um, I think that would be an ideal to shoot for so that we don't create sort of systemic risk in the, in the structure of the protocol with ownership of contracts and ownership of liquidity. Um, I could go off on so many different tangents here. I'm really trying to bring this back. Okay. So short-term pool token, community engagement, uh, NFTs, long-term, I'd like us to start building better APIs that we can connect to Neo banks. Um, and we can actually allow pool together to be easily integrated and have a bunch of web 2.0 APIs. I mean, already in people are already asking for it, even though I think part of it is a bit of an education piece is that in that you could just connect to the blockchain. I mean, all the smart contract reference, like API reference online, that's based, those are basically all RPC calls to, um, just an, a regular Ethereum node. But I think people don't really get that. It's, it takes a lot. It took me a while. It took me a while to figure out, okay, how do you actually build an app? Like, how does this work? So, you know, and, and also having some kind of web two API where we can kind of 
aggregate some information and make things simpler, I think is really, um, really, really important. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a million things to do, but short term, I'm really thinking about tokenomics. I'm really thinking about TVL. We want to have big prizes. Um, I'm very excited about the DPR. Uh, again, this is a bit more under the hood, but it allows us to have like, say, for example, we decide we're going to have a million dollar prize, but it might only be given out once per year kind of thing, statistically speaking. That is going to, I think, create a, an amazing design space for us so that we can really start to play with different value propositions in terms of, uh, in terms of, uh, prizes. So I'm very excited about that as well. Um, so, so yeah, Brandon, that, I think that would, I think that would summarize things pretty yeah. clearly. And listen, this is discord. This is the pull together stage. You are free to take any rabbit trail that you want to take. Uh, we're we're mesmerized by your voice and we are listening to what you are we're picking up what you're putting down so you mentioned neobanks and i would love to know are there any other what are some partnership opportunities that you could talk about that pull together is exploring uh any any partnerships any new ventures any pivots any um innovation stuff that you could disclose for us here today yeah um I mean, I don't feel comfortable disclosing the name of the neobank, but we are talking to one. And, um, you know, what's interesting is that we're kind of, we're more positioning ourselves like PT Inc is it's a more of a, a consultancy in that we're going to help them integrate into pool together, like pool together. The protocol is its own thing now. Um, and so we're going to try to streamline their integration with it. But what I think is interesting in, in what they're pursuing is they want to become more of a place where you can discover these different protocols, these different, um, you know, places, things that you can do with your money. And because pool together is such a, a attractive consumer application, consumer product, they, uh, are really interested, interested in integrating pool together into their, um, into their community, into their, their sort of, uh, their bot. And so, um, I think that's already evidence that because of its consumer um, friendliness, I think we're going to see more of that. I think some an area that really excites me is more and more we're seeing crypto being integrated in traditional financial products, which was kind of inevitable. This is something that you know has been the writing's been on the wall now for years about how uh, crypto is going to be a spectrum. On one end, you're going to have the OG, you're going to have the you know uh, um, crypto hardcore that self custody and only deal with, um, you know, protocols that do not KYC and do not do any kind of, that are totally permissionless, you know, and on the other end of the spectrum, I mean, already we're seeing this, you can buy through say Wealthsimple, uh, Ethereum, uh, ETFs, and that's, those are the two ends of the spectrum. As the years progress, we're going to see more and more progression towards the middle where they'll meet in the middle. And perhaps some banks will allow users to self-custody, but have some kind of recovery mode like Argent. Um, some banks might unbundle their services so you can pick and choose from different services and then allow people to plug in. Other banks might decide, okay, these are the protocols we integrate with, and we're going to streamline all interactions between them. It's, um, I think it's going to be pretty amazing over the next five to 10 years to see how to what depth does crypto integrate with the traditional financial system? Um, and you know, I think we're going to see it sooner rather than later. People talk about 
the United States created their own stablecoin or nation states created their own stablecoins. Um, but in a way, the U.S. already has one, USDC. If Coinbase is adhering to AML and KYC rules, then, uh, so AML is anti-money anti -money laundering. Um, basically any transaction over a certain amount has to be reported to the government. KYC is know your customer. So you have to be able to identify the different wallets that you're, uh, facilitating transactions for. And both of those, if Coinbase sticks to that, then why does the U S need its own coin? It's got USDC, which is already deeply penetrated into all these different, uh, uh, protocols. I mean, so we, so we have some pretty, uh, serious systemic risk here. Um, but at the same time, we all operate in that system anyway. We all have bank accounts, you know, at least the people here, I'm sure are all from the Western world and, um, you know, are, are, um, are, are well within those boundaries. And so crypto will just allow you to have some more freedom. Something I was thinking about this morning. I mean, this is such a basic feature, but I can't do, uh, a regular recurring payment to my landlord, who's just a human like me, you know, it's not like some company or something. I still can't do that with my bank. That is unbelievable. That is the most basic thing to say, have a recurring payment to somebody that's going to be possible in crypto. You're going to be able to do anything you want in crypto. And so, um, yeah, I think it's really going to just completely upend, uh, what we think of, what we think we should be able to do with our money. You know, it might not look like crazy self-custodied wallets to a lot of people. Perhaps it'll just like, Hey, this is better banking. Um, and that's fine. You know, it's going to be a very broad spectrum. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's a rabbit hole. So you were asking about neobanks. So, okay. The point I'm getting at is that, um, I see a real opportunity with neobanks. I see a real opportunity with bridging to, um, uh, these different, uh, financial products or financial, uh, you know, uh, institutions that are interested in crypto. And so, you know, pool together supplies this really cool thing out of the box. And if we make it as easy as possible for them, for them to integrate, we're probably going to see more integrations. And if we actually can get institutional money in here, you're going to see tons of money in pool together. I mean, it, it like the actual, the, the traditional market is so much bigger than crypto. The influx of cash will be massive. Um, so it's, a, it's a really matter of us kind of, we just need to stay afloat. We just need to keep going. We need to survive. And that's actually been, you know, that's been an interesting theme for the past few years as well as we've been through some really tough times. Um, the first one that comes to mind is the transition from die, uh, well, side to die. That was very difficult for us to, um, do the upgrade and manage the migration. Um, and then with, uh, you know, just working through the bear market as well was really challenging. So it feels like part of the success is just being able to stick around for a long time. You know, we're getting a lot of inbound leads now, like from this neobank, because we're known people know about pool together. They know about us and that's, that's still really powerful. This brand that we have and, um, this wholesome brand that we have that you know, Chark is going to, um, outline what our values are. And it's, uh, this is a really powerful thing. And I think, um, I think we've got a really, really, uh, great road ahead of us as well. We just need to stick around. We need to, um, build out these different, uh, integrations and, um, keep, keep going. Brendan, what do you think pull together's values are? I want to hear your take on 
Give me like three to five. Nice. Oh man. Well, that's a good question. We made a whole list when we first started pool together, and I would be so curious to hear from the community how that's changed. But I would say, um, number one, our number one value is, is no loss. We want to protect our users. We want to make sure that everyone's taken care of. No one, you know, no one loses. I think that's part of the attraction. This is, this is the first way in which we are nothing but round corners, you know, soft edges where no one can, uh, um, hurt themselves. Um, another value I would say would be fun. We want to have fun. And that's something that's kind of underpinned a lot of what we've done. We even had like, I think the second version of pool together, I think it was V2 had, uh, like a lottery scratch as the reveal. So we actually had this digital version where you scratched away this, uh, it was this really cool thing that Chuck made and you could, you could actually effectively scratch this a scratch and, uh, scratch and win. And it would reveal whether or not you won underneath. So it, there's always been an element of that. I, and I think we could le even lean further into that. Um, but no loss and fun are two really important things. And, um, another, another one, which I think is slightly different than no loss is financial health is we definitely want to encourage people to be financially healthy. And I think this is one reason why we've really stuck with stable coins. There, there has been some serious interest in non-stable coins, such as Olympus and, and, and more recently Klima, I think has approached us. Um, but, uh, but with stables, at least we can make sure that the, you know, uh, regular Joes who are just buying this token called USDC and then, and then depositing it, um, that they'll be protected to, uh, to at least some degree by having, by virtue of having a stable coin. Um, in terms of other values, those, those are the top ones that come to mind, but in terms of our community, in terms of our day to day, um, something that we established long ago in the discord was, um being kind, being kind to other people and having, um, really, uh, a healthy discourse where there's no attacks, there's no personal attacks. You know, there's, there's, in fact, I'd say there's even fairly little cursing. There's not even any cursing. I mean, we might all curse like sailors in our offices, but when it comes to discord, it's very, we're, it's very, um, um, very approachable. We want to make this as approachable to anyone as possible. There might be kids in here. There could be um, all sorts of minority groups. We want to make sure that we reach as many people as possible. Um, and uh, so that's been really important in terms of, you know, our day-to-day -day discourse. Um, I would also say that um, we're a meritocracy. I think, you know, yes, there is some hierarchy, but we're also willing to explore different ideas. Like everyone has a voice here. And, um, you know, we're, we're always, no one's going to get shouted down or, uh, ignored, you know, uh, well, unless they're, <laughs> unless it's a totally crazy idea. But, um, the point is, is that we really, I think, listen to each other and really try to discuss things. And, um, I think that's a really, another really important value to have. I'm not sure if I could articulate that in a single word. Um, but that's just kind of a, again, kind of a vibe I get from our, our community. Um, so, so I would say those, those are some important ones. Um, it's kind of, it, it's, it, it broadly includes both the product in terms of, you know, no loss, financial health, uh, fun. And, um, well, actually let's add another one to that rewarding. It's gotta be rewarding. You know, we, we want to basically try to pump as many incentives into this as we can so that you actually make something out of it. It, you know, that's part of the fun is getting rewards. Um, and then from the social side, definitely, you know, um, 
I'd say, uh, kindness and uh, engagement and for being very engaging with each other and just supporting each other, I think, are some really uh, uh, evident uh, values in the community. That's a good list. I would add to that list generosity. So it's been cool to see people who are like, oh, I haven't won yet or, oh, you know, this is disappointing, but I believe in pull together. And then somebody will delegate their prizes to that stranger, that Mm -hmm. literal stranger from discord, uh, and, and make their week, you know, they're going to win some prizes, which is great. And it was really cool to be on the community call this past Friday and ditch the agenda and create this, uh, delegation page for Ukraine and be able to, uh, you know, I think we're at $333,000 in, uh, of pool together savings delegated to Ukraine. So any prizes that are won by that 200, that 333,000 go to Ukraine. So it was really cool to see that spin up in an hour, uh, and be a part of that genera- generosity mm-hmm. vibe in pool together. Mm-hmm. I was really impressed with how quickly that came together and the generosity of everyone. I, th- I think it's, you know, it's great. What's happening over there is so sad. So it was so amazing to see the community come together like that and just decide, you know, you know what, how can we celebrate our birthday? Let's, let's, let's talk about what's really matter, what really matters right now in the world. So it's pretty amazing to see that. Yeah. And also like the delegation feature is really cool to onboard people with. I, I, mm-hmm. my, I have a best friend who I talk to, you know, like daily, maybe, maybe every other day. And I could tell when he's not listening to me, but he was, he was mentioning yesterday, oh my gosh, I'm like winning pool together prizes all the time now. And I'm like, yes, because I delegated to you, bro. I told you this. (laughs) And he just thought God was smiling down on him. And no, his bro was delegating, but he doesn't listen to me. It's fine. So I took that delegation away and I gave it to Ukraine. That's great. Yeah, it's, I, I, it's so cool. I, this is such an interesting feature. I'm very excited to see how it gets used as a Lego piece because, you know, it's, uh, there's, you can, you can delegate without losing anything, you know, it's totally, um, um, it's free. It just feels like you're just giving away this free chance. And then people start collecting those, 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 uh, uh, prizes. It's, it's so cool. Yeah. I'm very excited about that. And that multi-delegator, Yes, Tiark, it's coming. It's coming very soon. So I think today the uh, just a quick up, quick update. Today the audit mitigations are going to be completed, and the work has already started on the front end. We're going to have a nice, beautiful front end so that people can easily uh, delegate portions of their tickets to different people. And um, yeah, it's going to be great. And also, what's cool is that the contract will be able to serve as a ticket staking contract. And so if we do decide to uh, have, you know, uh, some kind of APR then uh, it'll be easy to to build it out. So that's pretty cool too. What did you just say? You said, uh, oh yes, that should be added to the values of pool together. You have to have a beautiful front end. Yeah, add that it's always been a great experience. It really has got, you know, props to the front end team. You know, Chuck and Dylan have been really polishing that thing to make it just buttery smooth and, um, pretty much bug free. I mean, the odd one does pop up, but it's, uh, yeah, that it's been a lot. It's been, it's a great experience. Okay. Brendan, we're, we're going to wrap this up soon, but I want to hear your predictions for 2022 in the whole crypto space, all of web three metaverse DAOs, tokens, governance, all of it. What, what are you most excited about in 2022? What's that juicy alpha that we need to be looking out for? 
<laughs> so I'm looking to make a buck, I guess. Um, I would, uh, I would say we're going to see more institutional adoption of, uh, crypto finance. That's something I'm obviously, you know, talking about it before I'm really excited about because it's just more and more accepted. I mean, we're looking at like Ukraine is receiving donations in crypto. Crypto now is top of people's minds because, um, you know, people perceive it as an exit for Russia or as like another way that Russia can actually move funds in and out. So, you know, I think, um, and whether that's good or bad, it's the important thing is, is that it's top of mind and people are really taking it seriously. I know I've, I've had some friends and my mother that have gotten into ETH and, um, so there's still, there's still so many more people that are wanting to get involved. And so, and again, like these neobanks, these neobank integrations are going to happen. They're, 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 you know, it's the ball is rolling on that. We're even seeing, and you know, again, for plus for better, for worse, Ave now has permission pools. And I think Ave had their recent, their, the first institution deposit recently. And that's just showcasing how, uh, TradFi is getting involved in, in finance in decentralized finance. So that's going to continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So I'm really excited to see where that goes. And then with the NFT space, so NFTs are getting more interesting to me. Um, I'm, I'm not so big on the PFPs and the art. I think it's, it's cute. It's cool. Um, there are some interesting projects out there that allow you to morph your NFT and, you know, they're actually adding some utility to it. Um, but what I'm excited about is to see where, um, where NFTs are actually beginning, where they begin to be bridged with real world assets and where they actually, uh, are imbued with some serious utility, whether it's, you know, you know, music NFTs, which I still need to dig into, but I've heard great things about sound X, Y, Z. And, um, in terms of, you know, the, the art, the NFT art is interesting too, because you can actually license them and some of them do include licensing. So if you have a board ape, you can go print a thousand t-shirts and sell them. So that is pretty cool too. Um, and so I, I, I'm really excited to see how NFTs sort of, um, um, blossom into something more than just speculative art, because that to me is really shallow and kind of, I'm not terribly interested in that. Um, but, and yet NFTs at their core are just, it's just the fact that you own this ID. It's literally a number. That number could be associated with art, could be associated with say a house. It could mean anything. And so I think there's, there's still so much design space there, uh, to see what, uh, to see what happens. So, you know, I think that's, I think those are my two things. One institutional involvement in finance, uh, decentralized finance and two, uh, the continued evolution of NFTs. I mean, I feel like anybody who would say that though, you know, I think that's uh, pretty evident, uh, self-evident in that NFTs are continuing to, to evolve, but, um, I guess, wait, no, one more, one more space. Um, and I, and I would say in terms of, uh, DAO organizations, I think it, there's been this huge Cambrian explosion of DAOs and I think a lot of them will die. A lot of them will fail. Um, you know, I think, um, it's, uh, it's really easy to create one. It's very difficult to run one, uh, to run one successfully. And, um, it's been an interesting challenge for us trying to figure out how to structure the organization and, um, you know, really empower people. And we've seen examples like, uh, sushi, which, um, you know, uh, um, the CTO, uh, Joseph DeLong, he tried to structure it like a traditional corporation and the community didn't like that, even though that's actually a very effective model. I mean, there's a reason that we've, you know, evolved into that, that shape. Um, but I, I think there's a mix, there's gotta be some mix 
that makes it work. And that's something I'd like to continue to evolve with pool together. Uh, because, you know, on one hand, yes, it's important to have different team leads, different leaders in, in, in some rights. Um, but it is also important to make sure that people feel like they can contribute and become part of that structure. So again, that it comes back to, um, having a transparent hierarchy It's having a very transparent sort of way things are structured. Um, and then make sure that we have the, uh, uh, the, the token holders, the DAO be able to, um, uh, act as a arbiter, act as a backstop. You know, if somebody goes rogue and they're at the top, Hey, no problem. They can be, you know, removed or, um, the, the, whatever the problem is can be mitigated. So, um, yeah, I'm very curious to see the, the evolution of, uh, DAO, uh, structures and hierarchy because there's a lot more to be done there. So yeah, three things. That's what I'd say. DeFi institutional NFT evolution and DAO hierarchy and evolution. It's going to be a good year. Love that. Love that. Well, Brendan, uh, we're going to wrap up here, but I want you to have the final word. Is there anything else about this on the podcast, but we haven't gotten to yet? Hmm. I mean, there's things I want to talk about, but there's some things I need to sort out with the team first. We are hammering on a tokenomics idea, um, but it is not quite ready for prime time yet. We're just going to try to polish it as much as possible beforehand. And it might actually still have one or two iterations. So that's something I'm really excited about. Um, but otherwise, Tim, I'm pretty transparent. If I've got an idea, <laughs> I do tend to talk about it, so it'll be in either Discord or Discourse, and um, you know I'm pretty upfront about that. But I've just had a really great time talking to you. It's been really nice, you know, uh, having the community on board as well. I see MK is here too, which is great. You know, we haven't seen him in a while, so it's good to have him back, as well as all of our uh, traditional, uh, you know, uh, members. So it's really been really great seeing everybody pipe up in the in the chat. And um, yeah, I'm happy to talk again. I mean, I will be on the community call this Friday, so. I'm also happy to bounce ideas around then or uh, answer questions or anything, but um, it's been a really great chatting. It's been a really good time. Thanks for your time, Brendan. This has been the Pool Together Community Podcast. None of this is financial advice. Thanks for listening. And as always, the real action is in the Discord. So join us in the Discord, deposit in pooltogether.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Pool Together Community Podcast. You can visit pooltogether.com to deposit, and we'd love to hear what you thought about today's episode. So visit the Pool Together Discord and let us know.